Hey, good morning, Troy United Methodist Church. So good to have you here today. Uh, my name is Andy. Uh, I'm uh, privileged to be here this morning uh, to share uh, some of uh, God's word today. I'm even more excited that, that you're here today as we kind of kick off and, and launch a, a three-week series uh, considering how to experience the abundant life that God created us for. Uh, and that's, that's really the, the truth of the scriptures, that God created us to love us and that God wants to pour blessing out into our lives. And that's, that's really the overarching uh, theme for these next three weeks, uh, overflow, uh, that God wants to overflow blessing in our lives. And, and the word overflow, it can be used in a variety of different ways, uh, but the way that I want us to consider it uh, are, are these ways. As a verb, the word overflow means to be filled with or supplied with in great measure. As a noun, it's an, an excess, a, a super abundance. Now, Jesus told his disciples that he came, that they would have life and that they would experience it abundantly. God wants to bless us. And, and just, just like we, we got done singing, Jesus is the fount of every blessing that God pours into our lives. That's the truth of God's word. And yet, really the question that, that I wonder is, is how many of us are really experiencing that as our reality? I mean, even those of us who have, who have said yes to Jesus, we've surrendered our lives to him, we have chosen to follow him as best we can on this journey with Jesus, um, how often do we feel and experience the overflow of God's blessing as the defining reality of our lives? Now, don't raise your hands. Uh, I think if you did, it would make the vast majority of us feel extremely jealous. Uh, that was meant to be a rhetorical question to elicit this response. Pastor Andy, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't regularly feel this overflow of God's blessing in my life. I oftentimes feel stressed out. I, I wonder how I'm going to make ends meet. I'm, I'm overwhelmed with life. There's so much going on. It's hard, hard to keep my head above water. I, I find myself dissatisfied with my current state, always looking for better or more. And, and even, even though I'm relatively aware that, that I, I'm doing okay in this life. This, uh, I, I have uh, more than I've got it pretty good. I still seem to dwell on all the things that aren't going my way. And if it's true that God desires to bless me, to overflow my life with his joy and grace, then, then maybe I'm doing something wrong because I'm certainly not getting that, that love and feeling. Now, reality is uh, our world is broken uh, there is sin, there's evil, it still exists in our world, it's out there, and, and it's in here. And, and the truth is, our own poor choices do us in, uh, other people's poor choices do us in, and oftentimes that sin and that evil uh, just kind of undermines God's good plan for our lives. And yet, and yet, Jesus said to his disciples I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly. And Jesus said that in the same reality. They were experiencing the same reality of sin and brokenness and evil in their world that we experience. And so uh, it might have looked a little bit different, but it was still there. And yet Jesus said that in him is abundant life. Well, today I want to share what, what I have found to be a vital step that many of us miss 
when we decide to follow Jesus, when we've experienced his love and his grace in our lives and we say yes to following him, a vital step that I think many of us miss, uh, that, if I, uh, that if we take, uh, then we can approach this life and experience this life in, in a way that is radically transformed in the way we're experiencing it now. Uh, but let me start by telling you a, a, a kind of a fun story uh, when, from when I was in high school. I had one of my best friends was a fellow named Corey. And every, every high school bunch of kids has, has like their friends, one friend's house that they all hang out at. You know what I'm talking about? Well, Corey, his, his household was, was that for us. Um, his parents, he had a perfect setup in his house. It was, uh, the main, it was a big old house. The main floor and the upstairs floor where all the bedrooms were, those were really off limits to us. Uh, we got to hang out in the basement. And it was perfect. It had direct access from a back door. Uh, downstairs, there were TVs. There was uh, one TV to watch, another TV to play video games on. Uh, there were, were couches. There was a mini fridge that was stocked with stuff for us to drink and, and eat. And, and more, most importantly, I mean, we were a bunch of high school boys. There was a dedicated bathroom for us. So, so it, was, it was the perfect setup. And and uh, so Corey uh, and our bunch of friends, uh, we, we were meant to stay off the, the main floor. It was kind of off limits to us. Uh, well, uh, Corey had an older sister who was in college. And there was one weekend where his parents decided that they were going to go and visit uh, Corey's older sister in college. And you can already see where this story is going. Uh, we like, we like uh, most high schoolers, knowing that a parent would be out of town at the hangout place, we decided to invite all the friends that we knew and invite them over to Corey's house. And, and so we did, and we arranged a little get-together knowing that Corey's parents wouldn't be home until Saturday night. So we, we had a get-together on Friday night. Uh, a get-together is, is uh, synonymous with a big party. Um, and so, so Corey's uh, parents were out of town. We had uh, folks come over. And long story short, while Corey's parents were out of town, we, we ended up trashing the place. Yes, the basement was, was a disaster, but even the main floor, the, the, the floor that was off limits to us. And I, as a good young man, I, I left at a relatively uh, reasonable time on Friday evening, and, and I didn't see the worst of it until I got there on Saturday morning to help Corey clean up. And I found him in the basement, sitting in the midst of just ungodly mess, <laughs> with his hands on his head, just wondering what went wrong. Now, uh, you might imagine uh, being there yourself, but uh, many of you I know are now sitting in completely different shoes than the high school student. You're sitting in the shoes of the grandparent or the parent uh, or uh, of a high school student or maybe an eventual parent of a high school student wondering, uh, wow, would I ever do that? Would I ever leave uh, my, my kids uh, there for a weekend with their unruly friends? And, and if you did leave town though, I, think about it. If, if you did leave town, how would you expect things to be run in your absence? Now, what's funny is God's actually in the same boat. We don't get to say that very often, that, that God is in the same boat that we're in. But in this case, it's true. Uh, we, we heard, read earlier, Psalm 24, verse 1, which, which teaches a really important principle that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He's got the whole world in, in his hands, right? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and all its people belong to him. Everything belongs to God. 
God is the owner. He's the parent. And we also learn right from the beginning of the scriptures that after God created people, humanity, he put us in charge of managing his affairs in his absence. So just like this relationship between my friend Corey and his parents, uh, we see this relationship between us and God. And I believe recognizing this relationship, first recognizing and then really living into this relationship is a foundational step that we each need to take if we want to experience an abundant life that Jesus was talking about. The overflow of blessing that God has in store for us. What, what is this relationship? Well, I'm talking about the relationship between a steward and his or her Lord. Now, the word steward is an interesting word. You don't often hear it used uh, in today's day and age. It's not a common word. In fact, you'd rarely even find the word steward in your Bibles anymore. That is, unless you are reading a King James version of the Bible that was written in uh, 1611, Old English, and, and that would make sense because the word steward actually comes from kind of a feudal economic system of medieval England, where, where you would have a lord who lives in a, a castle and owns a very, very large estate, uh, or uh, an aristocrat who uh, has been given lordship over a region. And, and in those days, the steward was a servant who was, he was the chief servant who supervised all of the Lord's household and his entire estate. The, the steward would run the banking. The steward would oversee the agriculture and the security and, and everything. He or she took care of managing nearly all of the Lord's affairs. The, the steward was appointed by the Lord and entrusted to represent him in all things, to govern literally in the name of the Lord. Now, in the Bible, the word that gets translated as steward in the old King James Version gets translated in a few different ways in versions that you or I uh, might read in more modern English today. Uh, the most common is the word manager. Uh, the, the word is also translated treasurer at times, which, which kind of suggests that there's a financial uh, aspect to this role of a steward. Uh, the same word is also translated as those entrusted or those who have been given a trust, a, a trustee, uh, or one called to faithfully administer because that's what a steward is and that's what a steward does. Now, I, I really believe that if we want to live in the overflow of God's blessing in our lives, that, that we need to not only grasp this relationship between us as stewards and God as the Lord, but that we need to begin living into this relationship with God. Uh, this, this relational understanding is a theme that, that, uh, that covers and is throughout the entire Bible. Um, in fact, uh, I want to share with you just, just four biblical uh, principles of biblical stewardship this morning that, that I hope and pray that you will consider reordering your life around. Um, and I encourage you, uh, definitely follow along in your message notes. You received those when you came in. And you also, uh, you also received a blank sheet of paper when you came in. Is this true? Did you get a blank sheet of paper? Good. Uh, ushers, great job. 
uh, greeters. Fantastic. Um, this, this is a way for uh, this message series to be a little more interactive. Uh, I, I don't just want to uh, share as if I think I know exactly what you need to hear. I, I want to hear some questions that you might have. So this week and next week, you'll receive a little blank piece of paper like this. And as your mind gets jogged and you think, ooh, uh, here's a question that I have about uh, biblical stewardship. And, and it could fall into all different kinds of categories. Uh, write that down. And then when the offering plate comes by later, put it in the offering plate. And I'll, I'll develop the third week of this series completely around the questions that, that you share with me about stewardship. It could relate to uh, a financial management of your affairs, like what it means to be a good steward in your earning or your spending or debt or or giving. Uh, it could relate to uh, barriers to being a good steward, things like greed or consumerism or the fear of not having enough. It, it could relate to uh, stewarding other resources in your life, not just financial resources, but your time or your energy or anything like that. Just uh, whatever, whatever questions you have uh, th throughout this series, maybe even during the week, jot them down, send them my way, put it in the offering plate. I'll make sure to get those later. Uh, but, but here's kind of a starting foundation four biblical principles of biblical stewardship. Uh, the first, it all starts with something I've already shared, that God is the owner of all things. He is the Lord of the estate. Everything belongs to God. He's the owner. But secondly, we are God's stewards, entrusted with the management of his affairs. Everything that we have and everything that, that we manage really belongs to him. It's not ours. It's his. I mean, this includes our time, our energy, our stuff, our finances, our bodies, our kids, our career path, our retirement, our future. All of this is really God's. It's not ours. And when we view our role as a steward, it should immediately change our perception about everything that we have and everything that we do with what we have. And get this, this is important. When we rightly see our role as a steward, it should also change our pursuits in life. No longer uh, are, are we uh, to be surrendered to this pursuit of the American dream, this pursuit of happiness. That's no longer our pursuit when we rightly understand our role as a steward of the Lord's estate. Instead, we pursue whatever glorifies the Lord, whatever grows his kingdom. And here, this is tough, but this is, it's true. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself too. If we, if we believe that our Lord is mostly concerned about our happiness, rather than acknowledging our role as a steward, what, what we end up doing is we end up making, um, we, we end up wrongly believing that the Lord exists to serve us, that, that he's out there to, to make my life better, that he's out there to, to make me happy uh, as if I'm the Lord and he's my servant. Now, I know, I know some of you right now, you're thinking, this is not the week that I wanted to come to church. Uh, th this just isn't going to do. What do you mean, Pastor, that it's not God's job to make me happy? I, I don't even have to think twice about this. I already know I don't like this. So, so how does this make my life any better? 
Where is this overflow of blessing that you're talking about? Well, let's look back in the scriptures at where this relationship first began, this relationship between the Lord and his stewards. It, it first, it's the very first time that God entrusts humanity, us, with managing all of his affairs. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, right? The very first chapter of the Bible, verse 28, right after God made humankind in his image, male and female, then we read this. We read, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And I really want to focus on that first part. God blessed them and gave them this role of manager of their affairs. What, what is this blessing that, that, that God did for us as his people? How is it that God blessed them? Now, I, I, I really think, just interpreting this passage, I really think that the blessing is, is in the role, is in the role that God gave us as his stewards. The blessing is the call to be God's steward, to rule over everything that he has created. And how is being a steward a blessing? Well, I, I think about the alternative. And I, I guess the alternative is the, the, the Lord could have made us his tenants, right? Someone who signs a lease, who, who pays a fee in order to enjoy some of the fruit of the Lord's estate. Or, or maybe we could be slaves, you know, someone who has no rights, someone who is not entrusted but is bound with no freedom. These, these are the alternatives to being God's steward, but instead of being slaves or tenants, God has appointed us to rule over his estate and, and, and allows us to experience and enjoy the fruits of that labor. God, God has invited us into his house to rule over his creation. In fact, many ways, in many ways, the steward has as much responsibility over the Lord's estate as, say, an heir would have. As stewards, we're charged with ruling over an estate in a similar fashion to what the heir would do. So it's an amazing blessing. It, it really is to be a steward. It's an overflowing blessing from God that our role is to be his manager of all his affairs. And, and, and really, when I look at the scriptures around this, there, there's, there really is only one rule when it comes to being the Lord's steward. There's not this long list of do's and don'ts about how to manage God's affairs. Really, there's just one overarching principle and rule. And this is the third biblical principle of stewardship. Uh, the steward's role is to manage with the Lord's values. To manage his stuff and to do it in his name. To manage it the way that God would. To be concerned with the things that the Lord is concerned with. To invest in the things that the Lord uh, deems most worthy to manage your time and your energy and your kids and your retirement and your stuff and your future and your finances with the Lord's priorities in mind. Not necessarily with your own happiness or your own pleasure in mind, but with the Lord's purposes in mind for his glory and for his kingdom, not your own. Uh, Jesus said uh, in Matthew chapter 6, he said, you cannot serve, no one can serve two masters. 
for you'll hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. And Jesus, in this context, said you cannot serve both God and money. In other words, you can't have two lords. If God is the Lord, then, then you cannot serve both God and yourself. If God is the Lord, then you can't serve both him and, and money. If God is the Lord, then you can't serve both him and your, your boss. Uh, if God is the Lord, then, then you can't, your, your, your mama can't be your Lord. Uh, or, you know, there, you, you cannot serve both God and, and all these other things. You must be solely devoted to the Lord and his priorities. And when his values stand in contrast to your bosses or the culture or what your lovely mother uh, says that you need to do with your life, uh, then, then what you do is, is you follow your mom. No, you, 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 you follow the Lord. You, tr you put your trust in, in the Lord's direction. You choose to follow your Lord. Now, that sounds simple and easy, doesn't it? it sounds pretty straightforward. And, and those of us uh, who are here we're, who are readily uh, accepting our role as God's stewards, we're really willing to acknowledge that, yes, yes, I should, I should uh, manage the Lord's affairs with, with, with God's values. I, I get that. And yet the truth is, it's really easy to understand, a lot more difficult to live out and to follow through in and do. In fact, Dave Ramsey, who is a Christian financial advisor, uh, who is really famous for his class, Financial Peace University. Anybody uh, taken like a Financial Peace University class? A, a couple of you have. Uh, we're actually offering uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class in about a, starting in about a month. It'll take place from noon to 1.30 on Sundays. Uh, immediately after church, there'll be a lunch involved. And it's a, it's a nine-week class starting toward the end of February. The details are in your, in your um, uh, little notes, the, the handout. With, it's under GROW. It's the very last journey group under GROW. And if you're interested in that, uh, like this would be a great way to become a better steward of the financial entrustment that God has given in your life. If you're interested in that, fill something out on your connect card as a next step. Hey, I'd, I, I'm interested in that class. We would love to follow up with you and connect you to that. But uh, Dave Ramsey, anyway, he regularly says being a good steward is, is only 20% knowledge and 80% and behavior. In other words, it's easy to understand, uh, a lot harder to do. But you want to do well. You want to manage well what the Lord has entrusted to you because the Bible tells us that the Lord of the estate is very aware of what's going on. And when he returns home from visiting your older sister in college, he'll find out what went on while he was gone and he'll deal with you and me appropriately. In scripture, there's a parable of the talents that you can read about in Matthew 25 and the story of the Lord who returned home to find that his servants had mismanaged uh, his vineyard. And that's a, a story found in Luke chapter 20. And I'm not going to get into those right now, but you can read them on your own. Uh, but I do want to share uh, th this final um, principle of biblical stewardship. When you manage well, you'll be rewarded. When you do well with what you've been given, you will be rewarded. Jesus taught in Matthew uh, 24 that when the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, that there will be a reward and that the master will actually entrust that servant with more responsibility. In the next chapter, Jesus said, for everyone who has will be given more and there will be, and there will be an abundance. 
There it is again. Word abundance. Overflow. If you manage well what has been entrusted to you, if you manage your relationships well, your, your time and your energy and, and the pursuits, the investments of your life, then you will be entrusted with more. There will be a reward. There will be overflow in your life. And friends, that's where, that's where I want to live. I, I want to live in the overflow of God's blessing. And, and I really believe that the key to living there, it's not a secret, but the key to living there is to manage what he has entrusted to us and to manage it wisely. But be forewarned, the opposite is true too. If we mismanage what God has entrusted to us, then even what we have, the Bible says, will be taken away. Those passages that I just referenced in Matthew 24 and, and Luke 20, uh, there are passages that the second part of the passage talks about uh, after there will be a reward if you manage it well, that if you don't manage it well, even what you have will be taken away. And, and I just want to be clear, when I speak about blessing and about more being given or what you have being taken away, I, I'm not talking about financial blessing necessarily. I, I want you to hear me clearly. I'm much more talking about the blessing and the overflow of a right relationship with God. Um, I'm talking about the blessing and the overflow of God's presence in your life. The, the Holy Spirit bringing you peace no matter what the chaos out here is going on. Uh, I'm talking about that blessing because I believe wholeheartedly that there are times when you manage what God has given you faithfully and you still, for whatever reason, suffer loss from a worldly perspective. But even in those times, you can know in your heart that you are faithfully following God and managing all that he has entrusted you with as a steward, as a faithful steward, rather than living your life as if you were the Lord. And really, isn't that the crux? And that's, that is the question. Are we truly living as faithful stewards or are we living as if, as if we're the king of the castle, literally? I can't answer that for you. It, it, it is hard enough to answer that one uh, for myself. But I can say uh, with a, a lot of confidence that, that for many of us, we can, we can point to ways that we have been faithful stewards. But we can also point to ways where we've fallen short and, and ways that we know in our hearts that we could be more faithful stewards of all that God has entrusted us with. And, and there may even be some of you here today who are uh, uh, listening or thinking to yourself, wow, if I was God, I certainly would not entrust any more to me because I've kind of floundered some of the wonderful blessings that God has put into my life, whether that's a relationship or, or a decade of your life or the financial resources that you've been entrusted with, whatever it is, you, you may feel like you've floundered some of what God has entrusted you with. And, and if that's you, then I just want to say this as, as I conclude. You know, friend, God, God's love for you knows absolutely no bounds. There's nothing that you have done that God cannot bring you back from. God loves you no matter what. How, do I, how can I say this? 
It's, it's, it's the story of the Bible. It is the story of the scriptures. Say, this is the best news ever. The best news you'll ever hear. Say, say you feel like the Lord of the estate has entrusted you with some pretty good things, but you've floundered them. You've, you've piddled them away for cheap trinkets and stuff that will not last. You, you maybe didn't bring the Lord glory in a certain area of your life or for a certain season or maybe even a certain season right now. In fact, maybe you called yourself Lord and blew it. Well, the Bible says that the, the Lord sees everything that's going on. He hasn't been unaware. And so from afar, he sent his only heir, the one closer to him than any other relationship. He sent his son to buy back everything that you and I have lost in our role as steward of his estate. To take the consequences that you and I should have received. To make right everything that you and I have made wrong. As if he was the one who mismanaged everything himself. And the Lord, the Lord's only heir, suffered and died in the process of buying all that stuff back. But because of what our Lord's son has done, you and I, we can be invited not, not just back into our role as stewards, e even though we, we don't deserve it, we're actually invited and adopted into God's family and called co-heirs with his son. The Lord didn't send any of us out, kick us to the curb, and call us tenants or slaves like we deserve, nor the Lord has invited you and put a robe around you and called you daughter or son. There is always another chance with God when you turn to him, when you confess your mismanagement of his estate, when you confess your sin and receive the gift that he's given you, a new life, a new, a new start, a new relationship with him. He, he loves you and me that much. Amen? Let's, let's pray together. Lord Almighty, you, you have been too good to us. And while we have often mismanaged what you've entrusted to us, you've loved us and called us your own. Instead of throwing us out, you've adopted us into your family. Lord, we owe you everything, even our entire lives. And as we prepare for this offering time, which we set aside every single week in our worship of you, Lord, we want to be faithful, yes, in our financial offerings. We might might have a next step in mind that we'd put on our connections card or a question about stewardship that we want to ask. And yes, we'll place those in the offering plate, but, but more than that, Lord, we want to worship you during this time. We want to offer ourselves to you and to your purposes to bring glory to your name, to commit to a life that would not grow our kingdom as much as it would grow yours. Lord, we give it all to you.